A very warm welcome to you all. Uh, this is Johnny Messam joining you on our discussion here as part of Northern Voices with Suman Kaur, who many of you will already know uh, extremely well from her brilliant success in 2017 on the Big Painting Challenge. Suman, it's lovely to be chatting about art with you, but I wanted to get, if I could, a bit of uh, background, just to hear a bit about, if you like, how you first came into painting. Okay, so when I was in year five, the teacher asked everyone in class what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I remember there were loads of ballerinas, there were loads of firemen, there were loads of teachers. And I stood up and said, I want to be an artist. And she said, okay, thank you very much for that. <laughs> Next person. <laughs> I presume you're the so only think... one who said it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the, th the first actual time it came out of my mouth was then. Um, I, the second time it came out was when I was choosing what degree course I was going to do. And I was wanting to consider a, a, a design um, route. Um, but my dad's response to that was no. <laughs> and where was, did you hear? Choose something else. Oh, uh, we must touch on that in a, in a second. But I just wondered if I could build a mental picture of, of where you were at school. This was um, in Leeds, am I right? Or Yeah, so uh, it's such, yeah. So I, um, I was born in... Uh, Leeds and grew up in Chapel Town, which at the time was quite a vibrant, some will say it, challenging area to live. Um, I actually went to school slightly out of the area, uh, so it's very much a middle-class school, um, but but I, I lived in and grew up in Chapel Town, so yeah. Yeah, uh, and probably unsurprisingly, um, Good fathers being good fathers and wanting the best for their children and knowing only the context of what they would experience and no criticism at all probably didn't think that going into art was necessarily the safest uh direction for you but you felt a conviction yeah i, I rethought what i was going to do and i thought okay i want to do something practical i love working with people um i like being a compassionate person i like engineering and science so what can i do and i think on the tv um, there was this um, maxillofacial technology documentary about replacement of people's facial features. And I thought, ooh, you know, that looks really great. So I called up the local MaxFax um, clinic and asked to spend some time with the clinicians. And he basically turned around and said, Suman, you are too, you don't want to sit and be painting, um, you know, for hours on end, not meeting anyone. You need to be out there. Have you considered prosthetics? So I ended up going and having an interview with a, a prosthetics um, course and got onto that. And it was extremely rewarding and brilliant. But in my soul, I always, everything I was doing was always, um, uh, always about art, always about creating, always about thinking. And the, the career itself was quite problem solving. So you have to be creative in your prescriptions, you know, building arms and legs or keeping people walking. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting part of my part of my life, and uh, I'd do it all again. It Just feeds massively into the sort of artist I am now. So yes. Yeah, um, of course. If you think instantly of anatomy, um, but also problem solving, which is so much of what goes into 
uh, art at the moment or just has always done, which is how, how you solve problems like rendering three-dimensional objects in 2D, for example. Yeah. Um, but knowing anatomy must be, and I can think of a great number of fantastic artists uh, who came out of Henry Lamb being one born in Manchester who studied medicine before going on to be a Royal Academician um, and actually a doctor in the First World War. And um, so the uh, influences I would be fascinated to know um, on your art um, in that time, presumably you were still in Leeds or thereabouts or had you moved on? I was, I was working all over with, with prosthetics and then branched off onto a biomechanical side, which is orthotics, which is basically dealing with people with progressive illness or injury. So a lot of building of devices that were going to keep people pain free and, and continue walking. So I think that the thing that I got most from my career was this um, ability to see and empathize and feel somebody else's pain somebody else's life and reflect on that and I think I pull that into the portraits that I do I'm not just doing any kind of portrait I want to reach into the soul of the person it sounds a bit I don't know it sounds a bit la di da I guess but I want the reality of the situation whether it's someone combing their hair or someone who doesn't look you know perfect or someone who has something different to them there's layers the psyche to the painting um so i guess that's that's kind of where i where i am maybe i i don't think that sounds at all um un unaffected it sounds like it's <laughs> insightful in exactly how uh i would love to have my portrait painted if someone was uh going to undertake it myself it sounds like you've got that psychological inquiry line of inquiry and i wondered whether a bit of that medicine and that knowledge had sort of gone in there I suppose also you know helping people which is also the same as understanding people um, might have gone in in there as well that's really interesting uh, to hear so because I guess if you've got painted a bit I mean you're you're very well known for your portraiture um, but um, would you have gone could you have gone um, elsewhere with it or did it did you narrow it down very quickly um, onto uh, um representation of the figure um this is really complicated because uh, i remember going to um like harewood house and seeing these magnificent statues and paintings and my father used to buy broken spelter figures and i used to watch him when i was younger trying to repair them and build arms and legs and things and i don't mean to Dis, uh, disrespect the the area that I grew up in but it was quite a challenging area so having these beautiful things and being able to see the beauty in the environment that you were in you know um it was really touching and that's why I love to do figurative work and I have huge respect for the draftsmanship and the skill that goes into creating these paintings and um, you know, it could be that because I, I do think that I've got this side to me that could do some amazing things, just conceptual pieces or maybe sculpture. Um, but at the moment, I'm, I'm just really honing the foundation 
through my um, own study and through what I've learned from my Quest scholarship year, you know, how do we represent light? How do we represent form? How do we communicate what we're trying to communicate in a lively, vibrant way that doesn't look too rendered? It doesn't look like it's just a photograph. You know, a couple of people will come up to me and say, I really felt like I knew that person in that painting. And a lot of the people who collect the work, they feel the figures, they feel the person and they feel attached to that. And that's so powerful. You know, how do we get people to care about people they don't even know? There's loads of people who care about my grandmother and they haven't even met her. They don't know her. They just say, I see myself, or I see my family in that. I had a really wonderful lady who bought something at the affordable art fair and she bought a portrait of my grandfather, my grandmother. And she was like, I've just fallen in love with them. I feel like I know them. Just how, how wonderful is that? You know, somebody wants to accept a stranger into their home on their wall and have them as part of their life. You know, for me, it's just remarkable. Yeah. And that's the way you can connect with people. That's absolutely right. Um, and how, so what are you working on at the moment? At the moment, I am... Um, um, working on a reproduction of a winter halter painting of the Maharaja Dilip Singh. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm putting my own twist on it. So I am looking at um, things such as the Koya Nura diamond and its original setting. Um, I'm putting that on his arm because it's currently in the crown jewels, but originally it was part of an armband that was part of the Sikh heritage. So I come from a Sikh background. And um, I would say that it, I'm still exploring that aspect of myself, uh, my history and heritage, because I'm quite ignorant of it. But um, I'm really enjoying the process of exploring Western artists whom I really respect, who have gone to different um, parts of the world and studied and valued and really been enthusiastic about culture that they haven't known. And in some way, I feel an affinity with these artists that have, have died, <laughs> really died, um, a couple of them in particular, because I feel the same enthusiasm about my own heritage that I don't know very much about. So I'm still learning. Really interested to hear that because um, there is this shift that's going on, and you will know as well with the reappraisal of our relationship with the past, particularly the lenses with which we viewed um uh a british colonial history um and the shift if you like to i suppose filter out or change the perspective on which we're looking at these things so to still enjoy them as objects to understand the context in which they are made um and to i think interestingly also see them again through someone like your eyes, where if you like, you can see many facets and bring them together in, in, in one environment, um, both here as someone born in this country uh, and also with heritage that goes back into India. And it's lovely to you know, see those stories retold. They're definitely there for retelling as well, aren't they? Yeah, I think the, it's starting to happen, as you said, but it's a slow process, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and some of the stories are fabulous uh, uh, about Sikh history, which we would all, everybody would be the beneficiary for knowing as well. So I'm thrilled that uh, um, 
they they're not just a alive or, or you know they're, they're also becoming wider known which is brilliant really interesting um so this is a uh, version of a painting by an English artist. I didn't get it. Was was it Reynolds? I didn't hear. No, it's um, it's Winterhalter. So he oh, yes, was he painting a yeah. lot of royal paintings. Um, so the original is is housed at Osborne House, which I had the pleasure of going to before our lockdown, and it was really the first time I'd seen any paintings of of um, other Sikhs done by Western artists. Um, yeah. So. There's a lot of work by Rudolf Svoboda, and I'm looking into, you know, his circle of contemporaries, and I'm just really enjoying that whole process. And okay. and the it's really an exercise painting because I want to learn how to how to paint um, contemporary portraits with that knowledge, you know, that traditional nod to yeah. to how people used to paint or whatever you want to say, pull it into into um, my work now. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so what's the story that you want to see told or what the, what's the story that you're telling through your paintings? Um, I, at first, I was sort of stumbling around thinking, what can I paint? What can I paint? Um, after the BBC, I had a huge influx of interest from within the Sikh community um, and a lot of people telling me, you're going to be, you know, doing a lot of paintings of this and this and this. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. Um, I need to reflect on my heritage and history. Let me do that. So it's, it has been over the last three years, me learning what, uh, what my voice should be. And I remember speaking to someone and them saying, actually, Suman, you are who you are. Your point of view is very unique. So just paint what's around you. So I started painting portraits of my grandmother. Um, I'm starting to reflect on some aspects of Sikh history um, and and with the knowledge that we were talking about before, trying to reinterpret some masterworks as part of my own self-directed study. But, um, you know, I, I really am at the cusp now where I'm ready to do a, a full body of work based on my own experience as a second generation British Sikh. And also, um, you know, with the level of skill that I've got at the moment, um, you know, hopefully I'll be able to produce something quite thoughtful. And I think the Sikh community is in the South Asian community is that sort of a renaissance point because there's only a few of us that are doing work like this in the community. And there are some serious collectors that are out there who are very interested in supporting the development. Um, so I think I'm hoping it will uh, catch fire with everyone else and through it, people can understand that there's a, a rich history coming um, from you know from the different communities from the different points of view all the stories that you hear um and maybe you know the next generation will put their own twist on that um and recognize okay. their self-worth you know because i'm recognizing the wealth of uh, skill and the the arts and crafts that came out of south asia but i hadn't known before you know uh yes and you're thinking particularly about um craft and skill within the Sikh community, or are you thinking more widely there? No, I'm thinking widely. I'm thinking, um, uh, it never really occurred to me that when I went into a gallery, I didn't see anybody that looked like me until uh, a year or two ago. And then yeah. I started asking questions about it. I was like, where are the South Asian creatives now, you know? 
um, because I want to learn from them. I want role models. And then I realized, well, actually, I'm becoming one because and that's a good position to be in. You know, I'm I'm one of you that's doing it now. So, you know, go and do it. um, Yeah. So it's good. And um, I I'm really interested to um, see that because there is such a um, wealth of skill of storytelling, uh, of philosophy, which is still, I think, poorly understood within the wider um, British community. Uh, I always talk about art as like a non-verbal language. It's a way of speaking without the need for words. Uh, And so if your art is able to to do that and to tell those stories, I think it's a really interesting um, way to um yeah broaden people's awareness and also i think it sounds to me as if it's a personal journey for you which is never a bad thing um exploring some of your own history and how that makes you know part of you part of what you are which is also uh fascinating so um will you represent them in paintings is that will they be uh portraits do you think going forward or, or you, is it too soon to say which probably to go? probably I did a I did a call out on social media asking for um I wanted to do some I didn't just want to do what's already out there in terms of contemporary sort of South Asian art and mm. I wanted to focus on uh, hair combing which sounds really strange <laughs> no. but like when you see a Sikh particularly a Sikh man you'll see no. him wearing a turban you know and it's part of respect for having long hair what god has given you um but it's also as a practice it's something that i've grown up like i always used to watch my dad combing his hair there's a method to it there's a way in which you tie your turban i thought i want to capture that so i did a few portraits of of sikh men um Mm. combing their hair tying a turban and it was really interesting talking to them because they were saying well nobody else has seen me doing this but my family and it feels quite yeah. odd. You know? And then I had other people like within the military, for example, as a Sikh gentleman in the military, and he said that he was quite anxious doing this in front of his fellow comrades when he was, you know, getting his uniform and stuff on. And I thought, wow, it's quite an intimate process. But in essence, it's just combing, combing your hair, it, you know. It, and I but think... Yes, but it's all then, that lovely bit. Yeah, and then I had like a lot of people who are Sikh who are just like really love these portraits, and it's it's teaching me a little bit about you know what your community is about. But I just really like the drawing. I just really like the composition. So I've always sort of said this: it's not about me being you know a Sikh artist. It's about me reflecting on what I see around me. If I happen to see someone Sikh, fair enough. If I happen to see someone from Afro-Caribbean background or uh, somebody who is um, white, British, English, you know, I'll paint what I'm enthused by. Um, but I think that this, I think the South Asian community need a bit of a boost and more artists from now need supporting in that because we're not getting the help. I mean, Quest have done, uh, Quest have recognised some sort of a diamond in the rough. And I remember going to the interview for it and they have seen something in me that I wish was seen three years ago. But the experiences I've had the last three years have really shaped my appreciation of this past year and, and going through 
some some professional tutelage and and understanding you know how how the arts uh works um so it's quite an exciting time like you say um your relationship with quest do you want to just tell us what they did for you um i've never had any formal training and access to this level of traditional painting and, and drawing is really something I feel is reserved for people who have the means to, to afford to go to the schools. Mm. So I quest have done something for me, which is priceless because they've put someone who couldn't, af couldn't afford to go to a place that would teach very, very well. And, you know, they've done that. They've put me there and, you know, I've held my own over the year. I've, I've, I realized I always thought that I wasn't a good enough painter and that's why I wasn't getting anywhere, but I am. It's just, I needed to have that opportunity to fly with it and to push my skill set and to yeah. get into the right circle where my work is respected or in some small way respected as, okay, yes, yeah, she has something. Um, so I'm, really grateful i mean i remember getting the, the email and crying over it you know because it it gives you that power to then be someone whose voice is respected without without quest i i don't think i would have been at this stage this soon it might have happened later on but it they have certainly given me a, a step to move forward to, to be that sort of artist i want to be you know it's amazing uh it's a it's a brilliant um charities uh, and a brilliant concept and um i've seen other artists uh who've been the beneficiary of it but i don't think i've met and met someone who's been so well deserving of it uh, so it's lovely to hear how it's changed and helped your career and i think um it's obviously also so clearly very much the beginning of it and i'm fascinated by um what you've done and where you're going to go. Um, and strangely, out of all the conversations we've had so far, uh, we haven't even touched on Yorkshire, really, uh, and its inspiration. <laughs> like you get your inspiration from uh, other elements around we you. Do, uh, we have to do a part two. Thank you very much, Suman, for joining us on our Northern Voices, for talking about uh, everything that's been inspiration to you, uh, apart from Yorkshire. Um, no. <laughs> But I think painting I a very clear... I still got the accent. I still got the accent. You still got exactly <laughs> that. And um, for also providing context about how um, you can find drive and inspiration, both from within and from without. So it's lovely to see um, all Thank that. Thank you. Better.